Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Joanne Cater. Joanne actually wrote her first novel at 12 years old and then convinced herself that she couldn't possibly be a real author. So she continued on in life until a wake-up call prodded her to start writing again much later in life. So Joanne is an author of eight novels with more to come, lover of nature and chocolate, and a student of life. She started life on the plains of Nebraska until her family moved to the Pacific Northwest. Welcome, Joanne. How are you today? Thank you. I appreciate your having me. I'm doing fantastic. You're welcome. So- it's, it's We're going to have a good conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. So my first question is, you only came to writing after going through life without direction and denying that your true calling was to be an author. So tell us why you resisted and what happened to bring you back to writing. I have, I, th- I don't want to place blame on anyone, but, but I was adopted and in the family that I was adopted into, they didn't think they could have any more children. So they had a son, biological son and then they had they adopted me and then it turned out that they had a, another biological son. So I was kind of shoved to the side and they were very black and white thinkers. And so not only was I shoved to the side, but I had a kind of a creative mind and that was just kind of foreign to them. So I think the whole, the whole message that I received growing up was just that, you know, no, you're not good enough. You can't, you don't, you won't that that's, that was the message that that was in my head from an early age. And I and do think know, a lot of kids get that message, even if they're yes. not adopted, we get that message. And especially like people that want to go into acting, some of their families go, acting? Are you kidding me? I want right. you to be a doctor or a lawyer. You're going into yes. acting? Yeah. So unfortunately, many kids do get that message. And and I think there's something about the Midwest sensibility is people right. just, you know, it is a big deal. I even with my own kids and and their friends' parents, oh well, my child went to this school and is gonna be a, you know, a lawyer and a, you know, it's right. very it's very important to them. So yes. it is hard to break out and be something else and be okay with it. I can see I that happening. And I, and that happens in the big cities on the East Coast too, like you know. Philadelphia, I'm in Bucks County, Doylestown, New York, you know, Connecticut, all those states. I think it's pretty much the same thing. In fact, in New York, they are signing their children up for kindergarten the day they are born because they want to get them in the most prestigious schools. Now, that to me just sounds crazy, but it is has been going on for years. For years. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, sometimes maybe even before they're born, they put them on the list. I'm not sure. But immediately at birth, they are signing them up in their schools to make sure they get in the right schools. Wow. That yeah. is insane. It is. We didn't have that option where I live. We were, it was very <laughs> rural. We were about an hour and a half from the nearest Starbucks. So... It wow. was out there. 
That is crazy. But yeah. it's nice believing, living out in rural areas because you're out in nature every day. That's your playground. That's where you are. Where we were, I'm just going to say, I don't want to upset anybody, but nature was a lot of dirt <laughs> and uh, <laughs> rattlesnakes. Oh. And um, I mean, there, there was definitely where we lived was the prettiest part I, I felt in, in, in that area. But where we live now, I just... This nature is better for me. Let, let oh. me just say that. It's green. Right. It's scenic. Lots of trees. Yes, lots of trees. Just yep. love it. Yeah, I love that too. When I was a kid, I used to go to the this big uh, park called Valley Green and spend all day Saturday there just walking the trails and, you know, looking at the trees. And I, I'd meet up with friends sometimes, sometimes not. We'd find turtles and we just had so much fun out there. And, and I was in a pretty build-up area. It was house upon house upon house. But if you walked a mile or two to this park, you were in another world. It was wonderful. Yeah. And that, that's the way it is in, in the Northwest. And that's one of the reasons we just have, it took me a long time to come to this, but I have, I have really fallen in love with the Northwest. Good. So you're kind of glad you got moved there. I'm sure you weren't at yes. first, but. No, no, it was, it was a really hard breakup for me because that was my whole identity was living in the Midwest and, right. and those ideals and, and that there's a different kind of a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I, I, go go to places here and I would make a joke and people kind of looked at me like what the hell is wrong with you it, it just a, it's every part of the country has its own unique what do I want to say that its own unique personality mm-hmm. and it just took me quite some time to get to the point where I was comfortable here yeah, they have their own unique food. They have a lot of things that are different from us. And I think people, you know, think, oh, the whole United States is the same. It's really not. Oh, and you no. can hear the accents even from different areas. It's funny. I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and the guy that was listening, I was on Clubhouse. It wasn't a podcast. And the guy that was listening to me said, are you by any chance near Philadelphia or New York? Or did you grow up there? I go, yeah, I grew up in Philly. He could hear the accent. And I don't hear it, but just from certain words I said, he knew I was either Philly or New York. So Mm -hmm. that was really strange to me. But yeah, we're all very unique. And and the United States is a huge country. So of course there's going to be lots of differences. So yeah, you got to learn them when you move, right? (laughs) And I think moving when you have younger kids, I'm just guessing is easier because you have sort of an in and and kids can kind of lead you into that life and to other relationships. And, And we moved, you know, in our midlife and right. we didn't I, we didn't have those connections i didn't have those connections so it is easier when you have kids yeah because yes. you have to go to the school and then you're meeting other parents and right. you start talking it, it is much easier the other thing people that are moving to a new air if they have an animal and they take their dog out to walk right. you'll meet dog walkers so that's another kind of way you can meet people because it's really hard when you move to n- new areas when you're older it's right. tough yeah. And and that was part of the reason I just fell into this really terrible depression. I couldn't make friends. I couldn't find a job. We moved during the recession oh. and I couldn't find a job anywhere. And, and, and I didn't understand how to connect with people because I'd spent, you know, over 40 years in another part of the world where people connected in a different way. And so that just led me into a dark place and I ended up breaking my foot and I was at home for a year. So that, that, added to my to my woes right. <laughs> uh, there was just nobody there was a lady that I'd met a Tupperware party or something and she said well we'll we'll come over and uh, visit you 
you know, and I, oh, I was so excited. I put on my makeup, I dressed up and she came to the door and, and I said, oh, I'm so, so happy that you're here. Come in. And she said, oh, well, we just, we're just here to sell Girl Scout cookies. Oh my goodness. You're kidding. Just, yeah. Oh, that's so it was just, it was yeah. very hard. And I, I just continued down this downhill path until I got so depressed. I said, okay, well, I'm not going anywhere until it stops raining. And if you know anything about the Northwest, it's about an eight month process for it to stop raining. Oh my God. I spent a lot of days sitting in my closet and I just didn't know how to, to move forward. Right, right. So what happened that got you out of that? Because there's a lot of people, even a lot of younger people that are really going through really bad depression. Right. And it is hard to get out of that. So it really what is. did you do? So I tried a lot of different things. I went to see a therapist who um, I think maybe I did more therapy for her than she did for me. <laughs> and that did help a little bit. I started meeting, I went to, there was a, something called a meetup. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there's yes. all sorts of groups you could meet. And I, and I met some people through that and that was somewhat helpful. But what was really the, helped me all around in my life was, and this kind of sounds strange that this helped me, but my husband was out hiking and he had a massive heart attack and had to be life flighted in and his heart stopped six times. Wow. And I was sitting by his bed, listening to his the machines, keeping him alive. And it just sort of struck me all of a sudden, okay, when are you going? I, I'd been saying all my life, well, I'll write a book sometime, but I can't now. I, right. I just can't do it because I'm not anything. I'm not, I don't have, I don't, you know, I yep. have a million excuses. Yep. And it just struck me, okay, well, when is, when is that going to be? When do I have? Look at him. Yeah. You know, he, he may not have tomorrow. So this is the time right now for everything. So that's when I started turning things around. I worked really hard on my mental health. Mm -hmm. I worked hard on my, my writing during his recovery. I wrote my first full length novel mm -hmm. and even little things like, you know, I save these clothes in my closet, my special clothes. Oh, I, I really like that purple top. I'm not going to wear it today. I'm saving it for something special. Oh. No, no. I used today to do that too. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. I used to do that. It's yeah. just nuts. Yeah. What yeah. are we saving it for? We exactly. could be dead before it ever. We might be wearing it in the casket, so we better right. wear it now, right? <laughs> yeah. So that that really changed my whole mindset about everything in life. And, and that doesn't mean that I was instantly happy. That takes a whole lot of work. And for me, it took also medication and finding a, a decent therapist that knows that it's her job to, to help me and not my job to help her. Uh, so a, a lot of steps. And then, of course, I gave myself that permission to write. And um, yes, I'm coming to this later in life, but you know, if not now, when is my motto now? And here's the other thing. I think that for all of the heartache and hardship that I've gone through, I think this is the time that I was meant to write because this is a time that I can focus. This is a time that I'm out of the small town environment where I'm worried about people what people will say about me when I write. Right. Uh, so this is really, this, this was meant to be, this was my time to become an author. Yeah, that's good. And you know what? There's a ton of boomers that are becoming authors after they mm -hmm. retire. It's really nothing new. They yeah. had one cut. They had one career when they were younger and now they're looking for something else. And right. Some of them are just writing because they have a story to tell. Like, not that they really felt that they wanted to really write or were good at it, but they've got this story they have to get out. So they just write and they learn how to do it. Right. So 
Yeah, yeah, you uh, didn't even get your degree until your bachelor's degree until you were 42. And then you yes. got a master's degree in creative writing at 46. So you were late with a lot of stuff. But who yeah. cares? It doesn't yeah. matter, right? Right. And that was all a part of that whole mindset of me. You, you can't. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. I took my first college class. And I, I had this agreement with myself, well, you know, you're not really smart enough to, to get a degree, but take this one class, see how it goes. And if you do okay, you can right. continue. It's like, it's almost like my parents were in my head, you know, yeah, talking, saying those words. <laughs> and I took my first class and I loved it and I did great. And so I decided to continue on. And so it's okay. And, and even had I failed that first time, it, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the learning process. And it, if you something you want, keep going. Keep going. There's no expiration date on learning. No. And I think there's a lot. Of, most people have a lot of negative thoughts in their head on a constant basis. You really right. have to work to get them out of there and keep exactly. yourself positive. You've uh, Affirmations are a great way to keep yourself positive. Meditation. I joined a group when I was in my 30s, I think. And it was a meditation group. So we'd go once a week, we'd meditate. We read out of a book and we kind of discussed it and, you know, tried to figure out how we can be better people. And that's something you have to work and it doesn't happen overnight, but no. over time, that has helped me be the person I am today. That's and fantastic. I didn't even realize it while I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And I never had any idea I would be with this group as I'm still going. Now, they don't have meetings every week like we used to because everyone's busy. And with COVID, they had to do Zoom meetings, not in-person meetings. But this group has been so important to my personal growth. And I've been in sales my whole life. And in sales, you are taught how to constantly improve yourself. Because if you work for a big company, they're bringing speakers in that are telling you that you can do it. You just have to learn how and have to practice or whatever. But they, the speakers are telling you that you can do anything you want to do. So that also helped me. So that was a good thing too. But if you don't have that, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's you're starting from zero. Yep. Yep. Starting from zero at anything is, is a big climb. Absolutely. The thing you have to remember is you're not doing that whole climb in one day. Absolutely. You're doing it in increments, whatever increments are are the best for you. If I do, if I, you know, just like exercise, if you do 10 minutes today, well, that's 10 minutes more than you did yesterday. So that's, if you take that philosophy through life in in anything that you're doing in writing, um, right. I tell people, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to sit down and look at a blank screen or a blank piece of paper. And I say, so here's what you're going to do. Write down today, write down everything you know about all your characters. Just start with, you know, you you obviously have a story in your head. So just just as if you're having a conversation with somebody write everything that you know about this this character and then continue on until you've gone through all your characters <clears throat> and then <clears throat> excuse me when that's done then you start writing everything you know about your story as if you're telling it to somebody over coffee and right. that can take you 2 weeks that can take you 6 months whatever it doesn't matter there's no there's no perfect timeline no. and then after you're done there then if you want you can do it you can do an outline or you can just start writing from there and there and you've got material now it's like yes. research for a research paper and you can write as in at any stage of this process you can do as much or as little as you want if you if you want to set a timer for 20 minutes and say okay i'm only going to do this for 20 minutes then do that yep. um but that's that's how you get going and and 
don't, then you're not stuck saying, Hmm, now what do I do? Right. Right. Now, do you belong to any groups, any online groups with through Facebook or because I've talked to other authors and they do belong to a lot of groups and the groups seem to help them too. Yes. So when I first started this journey, I I joined a local group and actually a couple different groups. And the first one, I think that they were all in deep depression. And I was the only one there not wearing black, as a matter of fact. Oh my gosh. It was just, oh, it was awful. So I, I didn't go back to that group. And then I found another group and it was all people who were very accomplished authors. And mm. I found thought, quite a lot of themselves. And I left that group just in tears. And my husband said, well, you don't have to go back. I said, yeah, I do. I got to keep trying. I got to keep trying. And so I went back for a while and just finally realized, you know, uh, life is short. Let's just move on. So eventually what I did is find some, some groups online. There's one that's very, very inclusive and that's at 20 books to 50 K that's a, it's an international group, but then also we have a very strong local chapter here and there's about 200 people in, in the local group, 20 to 30 that come to the different gatherings, but, um, I've never had a negative experience there and I always learn something. So my suggestion would be go search, um, on Facebook, search for uh, writers groups and join one or two and mm-hmm. then and see how that goes and then move on because it's, it, there are so many groups. It can be really overwhelming. So just start, yeah. start, start small there. Right. It's like anything else, baby steps. Take your time, right. learn right. the basics and then move up and you, you'll get more confident if you do it that way. Right. And it's too overwhelming to think of the final product. Like you said, just start with talking about your characters or the storyline, just write it down. And then it's not so overwhelming. You're right. starting with one thing and then your mind will go, oh, how about that? And then you write that down. Oh yeah, I wasn't thinking, but we could go that direction. It, it will just stimulate you to think of other things that you want to cover. Absolutely. So, and I want to add this to the um, the writers groups. If you if you're in an online writers group or any group, and people are very critical and negative, leave. Oh yeah, you oh yeah. Don't you don't that. need that now. Um, Nobody needs that. There's plenty of groups out there that that don't tolerate that kind of behavior. So right. search for one of those. Yeah, because you want someone that's going to help you, give you hints and tips, and encourage right. you. And anybody who's confident in their writing is going to do that. Right. The one, the groups that don't do that, they're probably not doing very well. They haven't really published a book. They maybe want to, because if you're confident in what you're doing, you want to share with others. You want right. to help the next author come up and, and be published and do well. And that right. makes you happy. So yeah, get out of those groups. Don't, don't stick around in them for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Uh, and that was my that was my mistake in the beginning is I thought that was it. I thought th- this was my only option, but truly there are... I'm just going to say hundreds of writers groups. So just plug away, keep plugging away a little at a time until you find your spot where you fit. Right. And if you're in a bigger city, I'm sure you'll find the in-person ones. There's lots of them too. There's way more than just one of those. Absolutely. Yep. Um, You can go to meetup.com and and put in writers groups and I'm sure you're going to find something there. That's true. Give that a try. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel good, then don't go, then don't go back. Just keep moving on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
especially, you know, if you're someone that had all the trials and tribulations you had and you're coming to this late in life and it took a long while for you to feel confident. You don't want to go to one of those groups and have them start tearing you apart again. You'll be right back where you were. That's not good. Right. Uh, And that goes also for critique groups because there's also hundreds of critique groups out there. And if somebody, if you, it's very hard to hand your work over to somebody because it's like your child and saying, okay, I'm trusting you to tell me how to make this better. And if they say, I just don't like it, that was stupid, or they're not, no, they're, the they're wrong not person. worthy of your work. No. They're not no. worthy of your work. They are not, their, their goal is not to make your work better if they're right. saying those things. If right. they're saying, well, right here, I didn't quite understand this. Could you explain this more? Or, you know, if it's positive, if it's constructive feedback, then then that's where you want to be. But if they're if they're just saying, that's just actually that's just laziness when they just say, eh, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, why don't you like it? That right. we're in a critique group. Give me right. some help. Let me right. make it better. Absolutely. So, uh, because there's something for everyone. So for them to say just because they don't like it, no one's gonna like it. That's right. ridiculous because right. everybody reads different kinds of books and everyone looks for different stuff. So right. That's a stupid thing for them to say. And you're right. It's just lazy. Look at the writing and say what needs to be perfected in the writing, but not the story. They shouldn't even be really critiquing for that reason. Just tell me how to write better. The story is the story. I'm telling it with or without you. And, you know, just because she doesn't like it, other people will. That's why a library is full of thousands of books. That's right. (laughs) Right. That's right. Otherwise, we'd only need one. We don't. There's thousands exactly. of books. So there's something for everyone and, and you'll find your own niche. But yeah. And and that's the one thing I think after you're done writing your book, you need someone to read it to make sure that the reader's going to understand what you're saying. Because every now and then you're writing and you forgot to mention something important for the reader to understand what you're really saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you're just, you know it, it's in your head and you just forget to write it down. So you need mm-hmm. someone who's going to point those things out. Oh, right. this is not clear enough. The reader's not going to understand where you're going with this. So you need to make that clear. That's what you're looking for. Right. And and that's something that also just takes building a little bit of trust. And that's hard to do because at first I would give my work to people and and they would say things. I think, are they saying this because they're, they're jealous because they really want to write or right. you know, and you got to get out of your head. You have to find right. somebody that, that you trust to just be um, totally Honest. focused on. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Totally, totally honest and just not, doesn't have their own agenda. Yes. So that will take some work. You might find a, a retired librarian. Those people are great because they're open to any kind of work and they'll tell you this, you know, your plot line doesn't make sense to me or whatever. That's the kind of feedback you need. Yeah. Yep. Because that can be tweaked. That can be fixed. So, right. yeah. And you also don't want someone that's just going to say, oh, it's great. I loved it all. Like, what good does that do? Right. I want you to give me some feedback. Exactly. So you got to kind of avoid both ends. The yeah. one who just loves everything. And then the one who's doing just nothing but criticism. Yeah. So. If you need if you need that little boost the first time, give it to your relative, your best friend, and let them tell you, oh, this is fantastic. But then right. do pass it along to yes. somebody else who's who's not connected to you in that way and who will just give you honest feedback and constructive criticism. Yes. So you got a master's in creative writing. Do you feel that that helped you as a writer or because sometimes they help and sometimes they don't. And, and when did you take that? Did you take it before you write, wrote that first novel? 
your creative, your master's in creative writing, or was that after your first novel? So that was, uh, I just continued on after my bachelor's degree and I got my master's degree at now, I can't remember what age, in my 40s. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I, I like to, uh, I hesitate to say that something wasn't helpful because I think everything, every experience we have in life helps us in, in some way. Yes. And it really was a good starting point mm-hmm. for me even though I've been, I've, I was truly a writer my whole life. It was a starting point for me to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and then that, you know, there was a rocky road from there, but it was a starting point where I could think about, oh, okay, well, this is how a serious writer thinks. And so I did write a, a novella as a part of my master's thesis and that was published. Oh, um, okay. But still to still in my <laughs> brain, no, not good enough. One that time little voice. Eight. Yeah. That little, oh my God. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> So, so I put that away for 10 years and oh the, my gosh. That. Yeah. 10 years wasted. Yes. Oh well. But you yeah. had you accumulated experiences that I'm sure you put into some of your books. So they were helpful. Right. Absolutely. And that's another kind of interesting thing too, is that we like to say, oh, well, I don't take from my life experiences. Of course you do. Every yes. every Everybody writer does. has to go from what they know of life to create right. characters. And totally, my life experiences are in my books. See, there you go. And that's mm-hmm. why I find a lot of baby boomers want to write because they want to write about some of their experiences that they've had and their mm-hmm. valuable experiences. Now, I've talked to a lot of writers that write novels and some that write um, you know, business books and things. So both mm-hmm. sides, but you can pick either one, whatever, wherever your heart goes, you want to go where your heart tells you to go, not where you think you can make money. Go right. where your heart is leading you because then you'll do the best. Exactly. And yeah. and that goes back to life is short and you don't know what tomorrow is. That's right. Right. What is inside of you? What's going to show people who you are? Yeah. Yeah. And so finally you got it out of your head that authors are these people up on pedestals yes. that, oh my God, I can't be like them because they're so fabulous. But today there's just so many average people writing their own books and self-publishing because you can self-publish now. So right. Anybody can do it. And if you want to do it just for yourself and your family, that's great too. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't even have to go out and try and get it published. Just maybe do a little book for yourself, which is funny because my grandmother wrote a book. I think she wrote it in her 50s and she had it um, printed just for family members. So Mm -hmm. it was a little tiny little book. It was about her life in Germany during the war because she was in Germany during World War II. So she wrote all about that. And then she spent the money to have it printed. So the whole family would have her story there to listen to and, and to read. So that was wonderful. So some people just want to do that. Just write a little story about what they've done up till now, past experiences, because it is a great way to share it with your family because so many things never get talked about because the subject just doesn't come up or you try to avoid it. So you can write things in a book that maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable telling people. And families today want to know what their history is. They, Like you said, you were adopted. So I'm sure you wanted to find your real parents just to know who they were and what they were, because that's a piece of you. It really is. And and that's something someday I will definitely, um, I haven't decided if that will be a fictionalized story or if I'll I'll just come out and and just tell it all. But I found my mother when I was 23 and I had been searching for a year and I was just 
lost my mind. I, I, I mm-hmm. only had information, they called it non-identifying information. That's mm-hmm. all I had about my mom. I knew her hair color, I knew her weight, and I knew her profession. So uh-huh. I dyed my hair that color. I was that her same weight. I didn't, I didn't want to be a nurse, but, and I just had come to the end of my rope. At that time, we didn't really have internet options other than at the library. Right. And I found a, a little article in the back of a magazine and not an article. It was an ad. And it said, are you looking for someone? Send $400 to this PO box. And I had exactly $400 left in my savings account. Oh my God. And so I sent my money Today, don't do that, please. And about two weeks later, I received a phone call at six in the morning. This is your mother's name and last known address. This is your father's name and last known address. Click. So that's how I found my mom. Well, so it was $400 well spent. But today exactly. you don't have to do it. There's other ways to find exactly, it. Exactly. And I wanted to circle back around to something, a really good point you brought up about success. Because success means different things to different people. Yes. So think about when you're writing, are you just writing this for you? That's okay. Yeah. Nobody else has to read it. Just, just no. the fact that you got it out there and you can be proud of yourself for doing that. Right. Fantastic. Right. If you're writing it because you want your family to read it, fantastic. That's your that's your metric for success. There are tons of self-publishing options, and that can be a whole education within itself. Uh, it was for me anyway. Absolutely. There's so um, much to know. Oh, my gosh. If you yeah. want total strangers to read your books, fantastic. That's great, too. But right. don't don't expect that your book should be, I mean, telling yourself, well... I can't write a John Grisham book. So I just, I'm not going to write. Right. Find your your level of success. Right. And and just be happy with it. Be happy that, okay, yeah, I finished this. That's great. I'm going to celebrate. I'm so proud of this. I'm putting it on my shelf. That's fantastic. Absolutely. That that's really for some people that's enough. And especially as you are at your baby boomer and you may be retired from your full-time job, you're looking for something to do. It's going to make you feel good. And you're getting a story out on paper that makes you feel good too. And I think there's a lot of benefits to writing. I talked to a woman like couple of podcasts to go about grief. She counsels people about grief and she says she gets them to write their grief so that, you know, they talk about how they're grieving, why they're grieving. And sometimes just getting something like that on paper is Mm -hmm. so beneficial. Yes. Some people have journals today. You know how many people have the journal every day they're writing in their journal. And that's why I don't have the discipline to do that. I wish I did because it's so helpful when you want to look back. Well, what was I doing this day a year ago? (laughs) You can look back. And I, I look at my books and I think, okay, this, this is, it's not a something in my conscious mind, but I, but I look back and I see, oh, well, my, my, my theme for all my books is family. And I think it's because, you know, I, I struggled so long to have a sense of family, but I didn't, that, that was not my intention in writing them. But yeah, it's, it's sort of like a, a journal in a way. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, I um, interviewed a guy about a year ago who um, was also adopted, but he was very happy within his adoptive family, was doing really well. Something happened in his 60s, and I don't remember the whole story anymore, but he found a little bit out about his mother. Here, his mother was this famous ice skater who was like skating around like with the ice follies and things like that way back in the 20s. And she wound up getting pregnant. She knew she would have to give up her whole career. So she decided she would give up the baby and 
she went on to skate for many more years. She wound up getting married and having children. But for him, it was just interesting to find that. And he wasn't as emotionally attached because he he really did have a good family life with the family mm-hmm. he was put with. But you still always have that little thought. I wonder what my parents did. Exactly. I wonder what they did. So for him, it was really interesting to find out that she was this famous ice skater. So mm-hmm. he wrote a book about it. Why not? I have a, a similar theme in my Piney Falls series. I don't want to give too much away, but the, but a similar theme to what you're talking about there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that evolves throughout the books. And, and it's in about the fourth book, I think, that we get to that point. So right. now, don't you have another book coming out this year? Am I you yes. have eight novels plus that one coming out? Or am I yeah, actually my ninth one comes out to the end of March? And then I've got three or four more for this year. So I've got a a series that takes place in a mystery series that takes place in a fictional town in Oregon. And that's a a woman who's in her mid forties who reluctantly moves and, and finds her family of choice and solves mysteries. And I realized when I was advertising this book in on Facebook, you can, you can divide your, you can see the division of the people who click on your ad by age. And I noticed that the people who are clicking on my ads were over 50. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to write a series with, with a heroine who's in her, who's retired in her late 60s. Absolutely. Oh, such a good idea. So my new series is called the Charming Mysteries. And Gemini Reed is retired. She's a retired secretary, legal secretary, uh-huh. and solves mysteries and uh, helps out a paranormal investigator who also owns a hair salon. Uh, so that that is the, the that's called the Charming Mysteries. Oceanberry Blues is the first one. Tangerine Troubles is the second one that's coming out in March. And then the third one will be uh, Parallels Pink. Uh, I always get this wrong. Perilously Pink. That, that will come out this summer sometime. So oh, I'm going to wow. be building on that series for a while. And then another series that I have, and this is the book that I, the first full-length novel I wrote was The Story of Keela. And that takes place in Iowa. And this that's about a young woman's uh, journey on self-discovery and the friendship she makes. And one of the ladies is is retired and she's kind of a character. She has a very active social life, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, and, and I'm making a sequel to that book that'll be out later this year. So, oh, wow. Some interesting I've, books. Yeah. So the, uh, the story of Keela has won a couple of different awards. It's the page turner finalist, and it was also a, a medalist for a humor award. And then the, uh, the first book in the Piney Falls series, the welcome to Piney Falls. That's the lady that's in her late forties. That book won the literary Titan silver medal. So I'm very proud of those. Yeah, congratulations. That's excellent because it, there's so many writers out there. It is hard to get the awards. It is. It really is. Absolutely. And I've heard that during COVID, more people were writing, writing music, writing books, so that someone I was talking to was saying that if you want to get an mm-hmm. agent, mm-hmm. you can't get an agent because they're so busy with all the people who already wrote books during right. COVID. So. Right. A lot of people were busy. <laughs> right. And that's that's another reason to consider self-publishing because you get to keep more of the profits. Uh, the only the only positive, well, I should say only, but the biggest positive to, to going through a, a major publisher is that you get your books in places like Barnes and Noble. Yeah. But, yeah. But you can get to you can get on Barnes and Noble online by still with self-publishing. And you're still going to be doing all the marketing yourself either way. 
So either way, that's what people don't realize. They think, you know, unless you're a big name, then the traditional ones will do a lot for you. But even so, after the book comes out, those authors have to go to all the major cities for book signings. And that's a lot of work. But that you sign the contract, I think, that you will do that to promote the book because you got to promote it and they promote it. Right. yeah, I think people don't realize that. They think that books just kind of promote themselves. Right. They do. And, <laughs> and, and your, the percentage of, that, of the book that you get when you are going through a publishing house is much less because the agent gets their cut, the publishing yep. house gets their cut. Yep. Um, and you... <laughs> I, I don't I should I don't want to dissuade anybody from going that direction, but I'm just gonna say for me it was a matter of, well, do I want this book out there now or do I want to mess around with this? Exactly. And my first book was traditionally published, but I just decided, <laughs> no, I I want this book out there now. And because I don't know that I have tomorrow, I want it there now. And I continued Please. down this self-publishing route. And you know, there are probably a lot of books that you've read that you don't even realize are self-published. Absolutely. People have yep. their own imprints now and, and are so many are so well done that you just, you, there's, you just would have no clue. So I would just suggest that you consider that route. And when you join these writers groups, they'll be able to help you and guide you as far as what you need to do to get a cover and, and such. And you can actually even make your own covers. It just depends on what you want from the process. Depends what you want. I interviewed two authors that co-authored a book called There's a Dead Girl in My Yard, which is just the funniest title. And the one woman was more of a writer. The other one was an actress and it was her story. So they kind of got together and wrote the book together. But this time what they did is because Angela Page has written other books, but she went to a hybrid publisher where you both kind of chip in money and you both work on getting the, you know, the book out there and, and uh, marketing it. So mm-hmm. she has done self-publishing and traditional, but this time it was a hybrid. So, and they're starting to be more, come out there more and more, the hybrid groups. They are. Yeah. And you, you really have to watch it because some of them are just there to take your money. So absolutely. That's with anything. To, yeah. You really, really have to be careful. Yeah. And that's when being in a writer's group is, is beneficial because you can say, Hey, I, I'm looking at this group, this hybrid company. What do you think? And people yes. will say, oh, well, they're scam artists or they're fantastic or whatever. Right. Uh, but yeah. It's it's like anything oh. else. People are always out there trying to get at your money and trying to take your fame away. So you do have to be very careful. Right. And yeah, just talk to as many people as you can. Get advice. Like you said, through writers bo- uh, groups, that's the best way. Yep. Because some of them have made the mistake and given their money to the wrong person. Ouch. But it yes. happens. And and I've made a lot of mistakes and done a lot of things I shouldn't have done, but, and hopefully people can benefit from my mistakes. So yeah, uh, I'm always go. happy to help. You can always contact me via my website. It's joannkeeter.com, J-O-A-N-N-K-E-D-E-R.com. And that's also where my books are listed. But yeah, I love to hear from readers. I love to hear from other writers and I will help you in any way that I can, any way that my time permits and my, my intellect permits. Right, right. Um, that's great. And and they can get your books online through like Amazon, I guess. And yes. so I am at this point, I am Amazon exclusive. However, I'm involved oh. in two anthologies that are that are on, available on any platform. And that's mm-hmm. there's one that, that I did with a bunch of very prestigious writers of with a bunch of cozy Christmas uh, mysteries called Corpses, Christmas Trees, and 
something else. <laughs> and then we have a summer summer uh, mystery coming out called, oh gosh, I can't remember now. <sighs> I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, but so that those two books are. So how do blind. you do that? Each author writes a chapter, but how no, do you we get write a book? We try oh, to you book. just write a book. Okay. Yes. Okay. So good, actually, good. A, a, not a book, a short story. But a short, short means different things to different people. That's true. And we did some paperback copies of our Christmas anthology, 1,400 pages long. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's like, you, it's it's lifting weights is what it is. You don't want to yeah. lift it without a spotter. It's oh, just God, yeah, for sure. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. But... But yeah, you're getting out there and you're doing a lot of different things. And that's important. That's how you get your name out there and you get known. Yeah. And this is exactly what I want and need to be doing. And if my life ends tomorrow, I'm, I'm content that I've, I've done everything that I wanted to do. Yes. But I think you'll be around much longer. So you'll be be writing for a long, long time. I mean, and that's why I started my podcast because I started my podcast at age 70, but I intend on living to 90 or a hundred. So what was I going to do? Just sit around in retirement? No, I love talking. I love talking with people. And, you know, when I looked at all my options, when I retire from real estate, what do I want to do? I, I was listening to podcasts. So that's where I got the idea. Oh, I love them. I was listening to a lot of mysteries. I love the mysteries, whether I'm reading them or listening to them, they're great. So after listening to them for a while, I thought, no, this is something I could absolutely do. And I didn't think there was enough out there for baby boomers where we could get different baby boomers interviewed each week to tell their story. Because mm-hmm. I just really want to inspire baby boomers to keep going. You're going to be yes. around for a long time. Do whatever you'd love to do. For one person, yes. it's writing. For one person, it might be painting. For another person, it's gardening. It's different for everyone. But find what you really, really love and do it. It yes. will keep you living longer and healthier. Yes. And it keeps your brain. Uh, my brain was kind of in, kind of in a fog. I was kind of yeah. stuck. And getting my getting those juices flowing and writing every day, I'm much more on top of things than I was before. Yeah, you absolutely have to keep your brain stimulated, whether it's crossword puzzles or you know something that you're doing that to keep the brain functioning. Um, And a lot of people are going to continue to work; they just maybe work a lighter load. Um, I interviewed a doctor; he's in his 80s; he's still working. So. You know, there's just a lot of different people, whether you stay with the same profession you had or you change it. I wanted to change mine. I think there are a lot of people that want to try something new. Yes. And I would say this, don't feel that you're on a path and you have to stay on it. That's something I think a lot of people from my generation and probably your generation Mm -hmm. were told this is what's this the way things are going to be and this is what you need to do. And it's hard to get out of that mindset and say, no, yes. Mm-mm. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. Sit sit quietly somewhere and just just listen to your inner voice and see what it says. See, see what it tells you. See what your passion is that maybe you've shoved away all these years. And now is the time to listen to that voice and, and reward it. Right. It's exactly what I did because when I was younger, I really wanted to be an inspirational speaker like Zig Ziglar. And I mean, there's a ton of big ones out there and it just never happened. It was very expensive to try that out. You had to have a lot of money up front. Um, so this podcast is kind of the same thing, but it doesn't take as much money. You can start so many businesses online for very little money. You might mm-hmm. not make a ton of money right away, but if you really want to make money, you can build it or you might just 
just have fun with it and say, it's out there and I'm having a good time. I'm loving it. So start your business, write your book, do more music, whatever it is, but do what makes you happy. Cause exactly. like as boomers, we've always been made, especially women, we've been making other people happy our exactly. whole life. Yeah. And now it's our turn, right? Right. I, I taught piano lessons for 16 years and I did that because first of all, I didn't think I was qualified to do anything else. That voice still in my head. Yep. And my husband was work was a railroader. He was on the road away from home most of the time. And I wanted mm. to be there for my kids. I didn't particularly like to like it. I loved the kids. I loved mm. that, that relationship that grew between myself and my students, but that, that was just not my thing. I did it because sure. I needed to do it and getting myself out of that mindset. It took, it took my husband's, you know, near fatal experience to get myself out of that mindset. Right. Right. And that's so important to keep in mind because if you're not loving what you're doing, stop doing it. Life is too short because I'm expecting to live to 90 or hundred, but who knows anything could happen. So at least I started my podcast. I, I, it's going to, it's like a year and a half now and I'm loving it. So at least I can say I did what I wanted to do. And if I'm around another 30 years, I might pivot to something else. Who knows? But yeah, absolutely. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just get out there and do it. Whatever it is. And it's different for everybody. I talked to all kinds of people doing all kinds of things. I, one of my earlier interviews was a woman who does tandem surfing on a surfboard. So that's two people on the surfboard together. And the man is on the surfboard and he lifts her up over his head and kind of like a figure skater and twirls her around and she's in her sixties and he's in his mid sixties. They're still doing it, but they both know that if they ever stop, they probably will never be able to get back into it. So that's something you have to keep up. You keep doing because you need to be very physical. And as long as you keep doing it, you're fine. But she loves it. She just loves it. So that's the important thing. Do what you love. It's different for everyone. Find what you love and do it. And don't let anyone convince you you're not good enough or you shouldn't be doing that for whatever reason. Just go out and do it. That's it. Absolutely. Yep. That's that's definitely the, the lesson that I learned. And, you know, there's a some kind of a saying about if you, that things come to you in whispers and if you don't yes. listen to the whispers, they get louder and louder. I think that I had many whispers over the decades and I just didn't, didn't pay attention. And that's when it came and really knocked me on the head and said, Hey, right. it's not short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do it and do it now. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much for, you know, being with us today. I think my boomer audience really enjoyed it. I will have all of your contact information in the show notes. So for those that were walking when we gave out the website and where to find the books, it'll all be in the show notes. You'll be able to find anything that you need. So thank you for sharing with us today, Joanne. This has just been so entertaining and fun. And I think you're going to be an inspiration to my audience. Thank you so much, Terry. I really appreciate your having me and giving me a chance to tell my story to others. That I just, I, I just want people to get that message that it's okay to get out there and do what you were meant to do. Yeah, this is absolutely. this is your time right now. Yeah, and I think as boomers, we know that it's our time now, and don't waste it. Yes. So thank you so much. This thank has been you. great. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. 
And don't forget to join our kick-ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.